0: Hey everybody, my name is Rob Shear, and I'm the founder of a national nonprofit called Comfort Cases. I'm also an advocate for children in our foster care system, a public speaker, an author of a book, A Forever Family, but most importantly, I am the father of four amazing children.
1: Hi, I'm Dana McKay, and I saw Rob on The Ellen Show, and when I realized his organization was based right here where I live, I knew I had to get involved. I'm also a social media consultant, a radio host, a podcast producer, and a mother of two children.
0: See, our country's foster care system is shattered, and this podcast is about how we as a community can come together to bring about change, changing the system, and changing the lives of children in care.
1: Welcome to the Fostering Change podcast. Today we are talking to Carrie Vellis. Carrie was recently featured in People magazine. She is a mother of six, three children. Um she had adopted from foster care. She's been a foster mom to many kids, and she wrote two books because she went to find a book to read to some of her kids about being in foster care and, and to help them heal, and she couldn't find one, so she wrote two books. So thank you for being with us, Carrie. Thank you. Good morning.
0: Carrie, this is so exciting. You know, I I was telling you the story in the beginning. I want to repeat so all of our listeners can hear this is that, you know, I, you know, do not buy People magazine. It's just something that, you know, I don't. time to i will go and and do people now online but i don't actually get the magazine and for some reason my son makai got a subscription that started coming to the house and i was like what what is this and you know and so i brought the i I started bringing him into the center and this was literally maybe two weeks ago um it was the people that you magazine that you were in. And so I was like, so excited to read it. So excited <laughs> that, you know, somebody else that is as passionate about wanting to make kids in the system realize they are just like every other child. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dana reaches out and says, Hey, by the way, we're going to have her on our podcast. And I was like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, she's such a celebrity. I'm so excited. So, oh, so, 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 wow. So you're a mom of six.
2: Yes, yeah, seven for the last um, seven months. We've had a little one, so sometimes six. I always say, and sometimes seven. It just depends where we're at.
0: So you actually have kept your license going um, as a foster parent.
2: Yes, yes. For um, oh my gosh, seven and a half years, we've been licensed foster parents.
0: Wow! We've wow! So, how many? So how many kids have you had in and out of your home?
2: Twenty. Twenty.
0: So. Mm-hmm. Uh, How many of them arrived carrying trash bags?
2: You know, the older ones I have found have um, probably about five.
0: Yeah, yeah. have
2: had their things, and I just look at it, and I cringe. Yeah. You know, I'm like, are we really? I mean, they'll come with some luggage, um, but then some of their stuff are in trash bags, and it's just, they don't leave with trash bags, let me tell you that. Oh, I
0: believe that. (laughs) I believe that.
2: Um, but its just um, it's heartbreaking to see that, and it's um, very to me it's it's um, it's upsetting.
0: It is. It is upsetting. I agree with you a hundred percent, and it's the whole reason we started comfort cases, you know, to make sure that we give hope and dignity to our youth in foster care. And we are noticing that the older kids are the ones who are coming with trash bags. We just had our fifth child arrive in November, um, and the first time we have taken an older child so our kids our first four kids um they were six months two two and four and they arrived and they just they never left we adopted them and so we were Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you know last year it just the stars aligned and we um we had a we have a senior in high school um and so he actually just is graduating in a couple of weeks and it definitely is different than having a younger child
2: Oh, for sure. We've had all ages. I've had newborns up to teens, double digits, and it's so different. It's the whole, you know, the older they are, they have more stuff that comes with them. Um, And the little ones, you know, newborns, you know, two days old, we picked up our daughter two days old from the hospital. And, um, you know, she, they just don't have as much stuff coming along with them. Right, right. It's totally different.
0: Yeah, I agree. And and let me tell you something. I will tell you that I'm one of these people that I'm very blunt about the whole mm-hmm. entire foster care system. Yeah, I feel that it is I feel <laughs> that it's absolutely shattered. Um mm-hmm. and it is so absolutely heartwarming to talk to a foster parent who really is not being a foster parent, but you're being a parent. You're being a parent. You know, mm-hmm. I remember standing in front of a judge once and um, I made the comment that um, it was about one of my particular sons. And I said, made a comment about um, my son. And the social worker looked over at the table and said, he's not your son. He's a foster child. <laughs> and I literally thought I was going to climb across that mm, table. I've and, been I, there. you know, I've been there. and I looked at the judge and I said, as long as he's under my roof, he's my son
2: hmm um, I <laughs> nothing fires me up more when that type of reference is used to a child. I had the same thing with my son. We had, you know, twenty IEPs for him and somebody said, Oh, we're not giving him services through the school district. He's just a foster child. And I literally had that same emotion where I'm like, just a foster child? He's just a foster child. So you're not going to give him what he needs. So we ended up suing them and winning, and getting getting him everything he needed. It
0: was a nightmare. Oh my gosh! Have um, you read my book? Because I have not. I'm, I'm telling you, you and I have definitely gone down the same exact road same exact thing happened to us exact same thing happened with one of our sons um they said that he was they weren't going to give him services um, because he was a foster child mm-hmm. and my husband oh my and I hired an education attorney yeah. and mm-hmm. we sued the District of Columbia oh my gosh. and we won yeah. and I remember the judge looking at us and saying we will pay for we will this the city will reimburse you for your attorney fees mm-hmm. and I said no I said, I don't want any of that. What I want is I want you to give the services and the speech hours that my son deserves to have. And so the judge added on like another 230 hours. But, my gosh, you and I literally, it's like walking down the same road. Dana, that's amazing. It,
2: It was a nightmare. He had all services all services available. And then he turned three. And what happens is then he becomes a school district. You know, his services come through the school district. And it was insane. We kept having IEP after IEP for him. And they, you know, got the neuropsych eval, exactly what he needed. And everyone kept saying, no, no, you know, no. And I'm like, what is going on? This is in, this is insane. And I said to my husband, we're, we're doing right by him. I don't care how much this is going to cost. We ended up getting an equity line and spending like $4,500 a month on special care for him. And I said, we're doing right. I don't care. Just, I'm not going to stand by and let this happen to this poor child who was horrifically abused. And... Um, Same thing, we had a hearing, and it was so stressful, I swear, like the most stressful thing to sit through and be a part of. It was horrific, and we won, same kind of thing, and um, we still have an attorney, I don't know how many years later, six years later, and we still deal with the same things the same issues not as extreme you know now they um he has a one-on-one aid um but it definitely you just sit by and it's like this is not going to happen to this child and so you made a comment same thing because he's a foster child and i'm like all the more reason to give him support
0: no i you know agree. it
2: was it was so crazy and just um i swear i got so many gray hair great gray hairs that year because it was just um, so incredibly um, upsetting and just a horrible thing to go through. But we, you know, stood by and got him what he needed, and I still have an attorney, and we still, you know, don't let any um, – we get him exactly what he needs. But wow. it was a fight, let me tell you. It sounds like we definitely went through the same things.
0: <laughs> wow.
2: Very – it was crazy.
0: How old is he now? Now he's nine. Nine, nine. Mm-hmm. My boy, We're my boy me. is thirteen now, um, wow. and they told us that you know he he was never going to talk, um, and you know why would they want to waste need to waste any more money on you know? I remember the day that the social worker brought him. He was two years old, and she looked at us and she said, "Are you sure you want this one?" Mm-hmm. And we were like, you know, he's not a piece of clothing, and that's one right. of the things we uh, we've never done is, you know, I try to get people to change their vocabulary as I as I travel the country as a public speaker. Um, I have I meet kids all over the country, and there's two things that they always ask for me. And number one is they always ask that they never have to carry a trash bag again, and and then number two, they say, would people please stop calling us foster children? Mm-hmm. Can they call us? children, you know, children in foster care, but can they call us children? Um, and that, that just always, and I mean, I remember the first time that I was asked that by a, a young boy in a group home in the Midwest, and I came back to our center, and I got my team together, and I said, listen, we are going through every single document we have, we're going through the web, and we are never, ever going to call another child a foster child. Um, these are kids in care, simple as that.
2: I've had people, you know, taking the kids. I remember one time we were at Frozen Yogurt and ran into um, one of my husbands, um, somebody he knew from work, Wives. And um, she looked at me and she said, so, you know, which ones Which ones are the ones? And I said, which ones are the ones what? You know, which, one, which ones are the adopted ones? And I was like, I don't know. And I looked at them, they're right there, and I was like, oh, my God, like... I said, they're all mine, they're, you know, and people, they want to know, which drives me crazy, like, what's, what's that, you know, what's, which one's a foster child, which one's, what's their story? And it's like, they're little human beings, they don't need to have a label and a stigma behind, you know, foster children, because it, um you know, it just—it's. I try. I've written a couple books, and I go around and I read and I talk to children in classrooms, and we have really open discussions. You know, about um, foster care, and they're super open and honest. And I'll say, "What do? You, what have you guys heard about it?" And you know, they'll say, "I heard. You know, the parents don't want these children, or they're on drugs." or this or that, or people do it for money to take care of these kids. And I said, you know what, you guys, I've heard those things too, but let me tell you what, you know, um, what this means. These, these children had something go on in their home and we're going to support them. And they're just like you and they're just like me, but they're just living in my home and try and get that stigma off of foster care and children. And I'll say, they're just, they're just kids, you know, and, um, just try and make it normal for these children, so they don't have a label. They're not labeled. They're just like you and me. And um,
0: yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent with you on that. Mm-hmm. You know, I I love the the story. I, I I write about it, and I love the story when people will come up to us and they will say. Um, um, so are they adopted? Mm-hmm. And my one son who is he's also 13, he's three months older than my three months younger than my oldest my older son, and he'll he'll look at them and he'll say, no, we're not adopted. And I'll say, Grayson, I was like, "Why are you? Why do you say that?" He's like, "Because we're four black kids and you're two white men. Do they not know where babies come from?" <laughs> it's always like people come and ask him the stupidest questions.
2: Oh, it's it drives me
1: crazy.
0: Well, you know like that's. That's one of the reasons why we started this podcast yep. is, you know, um, Dana to and I wanted... To educate people. Exactly, exactly. You know, Dana, you know, Dana, who's been doing podcasts forever, was like, this is something we, we decided we needed to do.
1: Yep, absolutely. So, Carrie, how did you um, become a foster parent? What led you down this path? What made you want to be a foster mom? You
2: know, my husband, my, my oldest son, who's now 12... He was two months old. And I remember sitting in my family room and getting a call from my husband that he just went to a call where a baby had died. And he came home from work that day, grabbed my son George, brought him upstairs and just started bawling and rocking him. I can just visualize it. And, you know, I knew what had happened. This baby had died while the mom was in the other room doing drugs and put her children in the bathtub and this 10-month-old baby know had died and I remember vowing at that moment we're going to do something we're going to make a difference we're going to open our home and we're going to help children this cannot happen and when my son hit kindergarten I'm like okay let's get licensed and we looked into it and we actually looked into um, more adoption we got licensed with a um, agency And I thought, I just wasn't sure. Foster care, adoption, I was kind of, um, I didn't know about it at all. And I remember um, going to these, um, oh, God, viewings they had every other week. And they would set a little photo of this child on the table. And you would pick, like, which child you wanted to adopt. And I'm like, this is weird. I don't feel good about looking at a photo of a child and selecting who's going to be my child through this little photo and a bio. And it didn't feel right at all. And we ended up um, leaving and getting licensed with our county and just doing foster care. Because I'm like, you know, this doesn't feel right. I'm not going to adopt a child by a photo. Let's just help. Let's just, you know, help. And I was nervous because, um, you know, we had three other children. And I was nervous. Um, I said to my my husband, like, "I I don't know. You know, um, I, I'm nervous about exposing our other children to what these ch- children might bring into our home, honestly, and God had a different plan because our first two kiddos that came to live with us were um, horrifically abused and... Um, I was like, okay. I pulled up my bootstraps, and it's just been such a good experience for our other children. You know, I'm so scared of, you know, what they hear or what they'd learn, and trying to shelter them. And, you know, on the flip side, it's been so good for them to go through these things and um, learn about what happens. You know, horrible things happen to children, and they just become remarkable human beings learning and supporting these kiddos. And, um, you know, seven and a half years later, we've been through so much as a family. And it's hard, you know, um so many pieces of it are hard, but the end result is we're providing love and a home for these children and um, support when they're going through whatever they're going through, and I wouldn't change it for the world.
1: Amazing. And so, how did you, at what point did you decide you needed to write a book?
2: I think it was about, oh gosh, let me think, two years in. I was like, okay, I'm going to be a year in because I'd always read to the kiddos and when my son finally got stable in our home it took about two years where i could actually think because he was just going through so much and needed so much support um went to the bookstore and you know saw a book and it was um animals and that was our foster care book comparing these children to dogs um and i was like okay that's your foster book no so i went home and my husband knows my personality, I don't stop. And I opened the laptop and I said, I'm gonna write a book. And he's like, okay, <laughs> and I Googled, <laughs> you know, how do you write a book? And I was like, oh my gosh, you have to do this query letter and you have to do all this stuff, uh-uh. Like, that takes too long, we need a book now. And, you know, I'm like, okay, self-publishing, okay, that seems fast, I'll, I'll self-publish. So I called up a girlfriend, And I said, hey, did you, I want, I want to write a book. Didn't you, you know, have something to do with books in your career? And she said, yes, I did. I said, I'm going to write a book. And she said, okay. And it went up, I went that day to pick up the kids from carpool. And I'm sitting in the carpool line, got out my phone, and um, wrote Sometimes, which is my first book, which um, I wrote it, and I was like, oh, that's good and picked up the first set of kids from that school. I think I did four rounds of carpool different schools and sat at the last pickup, and I looked at my kids, and I'm not a serious person at all, and i was very serious, and I said, Hey, guys, can I can I read you something? And they said, Okay. And I said, I just I wrote a book, and they laughed because I'm like the world's worst seller. Oh, my gosh, so much! <laughs> And they're like, you wrote a book? And I'm like, yeah, can I, can I read you something? And I read them sometimes, and I look back, and my son is bawling, my little guy. And, um, and they're silent, which my kids are not silent. And they're like, Mom, that's really good. And they're like, you did that? And I said, yeah. And I knew when they were silent <laughs> and told me, because they'll tell me straight up, you know, mom, that's awful, or that shirt doesn't look good on you, or whatever. They're my my strongest critics, and they said, that's really good. And I said, what do you think if I write that? And they said, you know, yeah. And I called my girlfriend back, and I said, um, okay, let's go. Let's... Let's get this going and put my feelers out um, to try and find an illustrator and came across this gal, Jen um, Lear, and um, it ended up being the perfect match. She was in foster care here in our county and moved around, I think she went to 13 different schools and met her, and she was completely delightful and adorable and was crying when she read sometimes, and she said, this is so good. I wish I had this. This is so good. And, um, you know, told her what I wanted and drew stick people for my illustrations. And she just nailed it. And um, then I wrote my first book, Sometime. So that's kind of how that evolved. And um, just saved, 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 you know, took care of the kiddos. And um, with the extra stipend, just started rat holing it and um, self-published my first book, Sometime.
0: That's wow, amazing. That's that is amazing. absolutely yep. amazing. Now I want to read it. I haven't I know. read it yet. <laughs> I know that's so amazing. So, so, uh, oh my gosh, I have so many questions. Um, so first, I, 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 have to tell you. So if if you go on our website and and s- have seen what we put in our our comfort cases, we give every single child a book. Um, and the reason for that, when I was a kid growing up in the system, um, I never had my own book. I. Mm-hmm don't remember having my own book that I owned until I was in my early 20s. And I remember when I aged out of the system, I actually became a homeless teenager. And I was a homeless kid living on the streets of Northern Virginia and going to school every day. And I would sit in the public library and I would read every book I could get my hands on because I could fall in those pages and forget everything that was going on around me as, as this homeless kid. And so when we started the charity... I was like, okay, a book is going in every single case, and so I want to figure out how we can connect with you and get some of your amazing books to go into the cases for kids who are, you know, for that age. Because that's I love this, love, love this story. And you know, I, I, I look back now with my children um, and think about, you know, it, it was really hard to explain to them. Um, you know, about foster care and the fact, even though they had come from foster care and they had been in many homes, you know, I'm trying to educate as many people as possible to realize that there's no such thing as a bad kid. It's only a kid that needs to be redirected. I'm going to tell you, I have one book out there. I was lucky. I have a publisher, an editor. I, you, I mean, to to sit there and have you know six kids, sometimes seven, and you're self publishing these books is amazing. How does somebody find you? How do they? What's your? What do they? Do you have a website?
2: Yes, I do. It's um, com and my nonprofit is Carrie'sKids.net, and I sell these on you know Amazon and my website, and you know I just I wanted. I want all kids. Like I feel like, okay, come to my house, sweetie. You can come home with me. <laughs> like I've gone to shelters when I go to schools when I meet these kids. I just want to take them all with me, but yes. I can't because I don't have a big enough house for four hundred and what is it, thirty thousand children. Yes. Um, and I wanted a piece of me. When any child is removed, my dream is to get this, these books to every foster child. And I wanted this book to apply to every child that's removed from their home. So it's a very simple message, very simple. I want these kids to feel safe. I want to give them a message of hope and to normalize their experience. And I I wrote them just, you know, my second book is for um, children who've been abused. And I just wanted them because there's so many different reasons why kids are removed from their home. And there's so many different reasons um, and situations about child abuse. So I I just wrote them very simply. So when I do go to classrooms and volunteer or these children get them, get these books, they can relate. And my child, um, the main character in both books, is gender neutral. So any child picking up the book can relate. And go, like when I read in classrooms, I'll say, how many, you know, how many do you guys think this is a girl? And, you know, half the class will raise their hand. How many do you think it's a boy? I go, you're both right. I made a child who any child reading could relate to um, because there's so many different situations. There's so many different, you know, girls or boys um, could come into care. And I just wanted both books to be open and simple and a simple message. And I think that... um, That's definitely happened. Um, creating these books they're just beautifully illustrated and written and just a message of hope for these kiddos you
0: know if, what I would love to see happen as you know when kids come into the system they go to every state and count. that's the first thing every state does it differently but they go to normally what we call holding centers crisis centers I would love to see these books there mm-hmm. um, that the first experience and there's some way you and I have got to collaborate um, I totally because agree. we like I said we send cases. We are now, Dana. How many cases have we sent?
1: Uh, about one hundred and twenty thousand.
0: So wow. one hundred twenty thousand cases to all fifty states, DC, and Puerto Rico, and we deal directly with social service agencies. And you and I both know the billions of dollars they spend every year. Why couldn't they write a grant to spend to buy these? books for these kids to have in these crisis holding centers before they go to a or or you know we call them blue folders here when a child arrives in your home they come with a blue folder and the blue folder has all the information about the child, but Lord knows half the kids never have that folder. Right. But why wouldn't we get that book um, that comes along with that child? I, I just I like I said, you and I are going to become instant friends because <laughs> I think that there is a way out there. Um, you know, I I have a friend of mine who has a company called Vook v o o k dot com, and it is a virtual library um and i i'm telling you right now we're going to connect because you are just exactly what he's looking for to go on this platform and this platform will actually um it's going to be a virtual library for kids in the foster care system Oh, and so they will be able to go on and read books. I just had a call with him yesterday, and let me tell you something. Dana can tell you. I don't. I don't really normally talk to people and tell people hey, I'm going to hook up. But I'm telling you, we are not done. You and I together. No, for sure. This- well, and
1: and, and uh, we can put That's the. We'll put do. the book on our Amazon wish list so yes. that people can buy the book and have it sent to us, so that we can start putting it in cases. Yes. Wow. Yes. Awesome. Yes.
0: I
2: love that you guys. Yes,
0: we're definitely going to do that.
1: It's, you know, I I remember having a little
2: nine-year-old living with us, and she came with a little blue suitcase, and my book was in that suitcase, and I stood in the doorway, and I watched her unzip her little suitcase, look at the book, and she started to read it. And the first page says, sometimes kids can't stay where they live for one reason or another. You have to leave. And she smiled as she turned the pages, and it was her story. And, you know, the last page is me. And she looked up and she said, is this you? Because I normally don't wear a lot of makeup. And in the photo I have makeup on. So she was trying to figure out, like, this looks like you. But right now your hair is kind of crazy and you're in sweats and this lady's dressed up. <laughs> and she said, um, did you write this? And I said, I did. What do you think? It it's really good. And she kept it under her pillow every night. And when she left, you know, I... I uh, wrote in there for her and we're we're still in contact with her and she still has the book and she sleeps with it under her pillow every night and it's just so meaningful because it's these children's story. It's their story. Wow. You know, sometimes it talks about, you know, um, sometimes she's still living in another house, sometimes there might be even two moms, two dads, a mom and a dad, a grandma. It just talks about different homes so these children, no matter where they're going, it relates to them. It's their story. And um, it's making a difference and really helping these kiddos. And then my second book, um, you know, my son was abused horrifically and once again went out to find a book for children who have been abused and there was nothing like watercolor beautiful out there for them. It was like more um, trauma-informed care things for parents or caregivers. So I wrote my second book when I was little and, um, you know, talking about, you um, You know, when I was little, I had some really bad things happen to me, and I was hurt. Very simple message. And talking about the child, you know, talking to somebody and then starting to feel better. And um, I just want these books to help children and to give them a little piece of me, because like I joke, I can't take them all. But if I can give them a a simple message of hope and somebody cares about them. And when I go into classrooms, these kids are blown away and they're crying, telling me about their abuse and telling me about, you know, um, that they were in foster care and what happened or seeing, you know, their mom's boyfriend abuse them. And they're talking about it, which kids don't process trauma or abuse. They're not talking about it with their friends, but I walk in and they start disclosing to me and telling me their story or writing me letters, you know, thank you, Miss Carrie, for coming to my class and I was abused and your book makes me feel so good. And I'm like, oh my God, this is where it's at for me, getting these kids to feel good. Like that's everything to me like it's awesome that I've had you know success in the public eye but more importantly like have helping these children and and making them feel better from a book like to me that's what it's all about like if I could do anything you know just giving these kids um like a hug from me almost it's just so heartwarming And, um, I feel like it's, it's really my purpose and my passion and, um, it's come out in these books and I know I'm helping kids and it's, I'd love to get them. I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to, you know, get these books in these bags for these kids and have them when they're opening them, like, oh my God, this is my story. (laughs) And somebody's wrote this for me, for my journey. It's just, um, it's so what they need because nobody's, you know, you have foster parents, um but i feel like these kids are so forgotten it's like it's it's there's 450,000, What is it? 430, 450 yeah. children in care. And That's, I still think
0: that number's wrong. I still think there's more oh than God. that. And I, I totally
2: I, agree. And the
0: fact is, is that these kids feel they feel disposable. They mm-hmm. feel that they don't matter. Um, and let me tell you. So, Carrie, I have to tell you, this has been a great, great I could podcast. Talk on and on. I love it. And by the way, <laughs> the, hey, hold on. Let me tell you something. This is not going to be the last time you're going to be on this show because oh. you know fostering change is all about change and Mm -hmm. educating our public and that's something you and i've done today and i'm telling you i i today i know i i know dana that today on that amazon wish list your book is going to appear um i know that before the end of next week you and i will be on a call um to talk about how we can continue this collaboration because you are truly what i say all the time you're a game changer You're part of the change. You know, I tell people, stop blaming the system. Let's change the system. And you're one of those people that want to be changed. So listen, Carrie, I will tell you, it has been an honor I I w- I want everybody please 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 if you are a foster parent if you are someone who can you know lift these children up please go to your website purchase the book if even if you're not a foster parent purchase the book and send it to comfort cases because we will make sure it gets in the hands of a child who's in our system and as we all know our community it's not our zip code but it's our human race. And we must let these kids know that they belong in our community. So we always end this um, podcast with a question that Dana always asks each and every one of our guests. And so here we go. Let's ask away, Dana.
1: Carrie, if you could change two things about the foster care system, what would they be? Oh, gosh. I think
2: hearing more of the child's voice. One. Oh, two would be really listening to the foster parent, really listening, and giving the foster parent more of a voice. Child, foster parent, more of a voice.
0: Wow. Love it. I will tell you, so I think this is our 42nd episode, and I am not kidding. If you go back and listen to all of our podcasts, you will hear – that is the first time we've heard those two stories, yep. those two answers. Yep. Um. And I truly do believe that, you know, the reason that the statistics show that foster parents last only a year is because they're not given a voice and because they're not given the support. And that's why the good foster parents who, you know, need to be helping and doing this, they get burned out because they don't have totally. a voice, you know, they to- totally get totally. burned out.
2: I, it's crazy. I literally, I was talking to a senator last week, and I'm like, we need to change the laws. Like, I don't know anything about politics, but I know that we need to do something. These kids' voices need to be heard. My voice needs to be heard. Like, we need to do something. I'm Get me on whatever panel or whatever I need to do because I'm changing the law.
0: Well, we're going to do it. We're going to do it, my friend. I'm telling you, get ready because the ride you and I are going on is going to be crazy. Listen, <laughs> it is so, so amazing. I want to thank you so much. Oh, and it's so, you, I, I one thing I love about this is I have become such good friends with such good humans. And you, my friend, are a good human. Oh, I wish you all the best. And not to worry, you. you and I will be talking in the next several days. Love it. Take care.
1: Thank you, bye. Bye. Thank you, Paul.
0: Dana and I would like to thank all of you for listening to the Fostering Change podcast.
1: You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Make sure you follow Comfort Cases on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Comfort Cases. And check out the Fostering Change blog at ComfortCases.org.
0: So everybody, we want to hear your stories. So reach out to us if you would like to be a guest on the podcast. You can find me on Facebook at Rob Shear, Instagram at Rob underscore Shear, and on Twitter at Rob Scheer 6.
1: And please share this podcast and leave us a review.
0: Remember, we're all part of the same community. Your zip code, it's not your community. But it's our human race. Let's all make a difference.